It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Paul Williams is a songwriting legend from co-writing Barbra Streisand's Evergreen and Kermit the Frog's beloved classic The Rainbow Connection to the Carpenter's defining hit, We've Only Just Begun. Yes, he wrote all those. He's now in his fifth decade in the music business and still thriving. At the 2014 Grammys, Paul accepted the award for Album of the Year after collaborating with the cutting-edge duo Daft Punk. But at the height of his fame, Paul says an addiction to alcohol and drugs nearly destroyed him. He says it took hitting bottom before he could discover the real happiness that he feels today. His remarkable story of recovery serves as the inspiration for his new book, Gratitude and Trust. It's a collaboration with his longtime friend, author, director, and screenwriter, Tracy Jackson. She wrote the screenplay for the film Confessions of a Shopaholic and says shopping has always been her daily addiction. Though never addicted to drugs or alcohol, Tracy says for years she numbed her pain with food, with clothes, and men. Paul and Tracy believe that recovery is not just for addicts and facing any level of addiction is sacred work. What is so amazing is, uh, Paul, you have an Oscar, three Grammys, uh, two Golden Globes. And I read that next to having your children, that your greatest accomplishment is what is written about in Gratitude and Trust. Your greatest accomplishment My is, sobriety. is your sobriety. My sobriety. You know, 24 years of actually feeling connected to the rest of the world. You know, in sobriety, you know, when you hit your knees and you say, I don't know what I'm doing and I desperately need help. When you reach out and say, help me to somebody and you let go of ego and you go, I'm desperate and I'm dying. You all of a sudden connect with the world on a level that is so wonderfully intimate and nurturing and healthy. The best 24 years of my life. Because it was what, March 1990, right? March 15th, 1990. March 15th, 1990. Yeah, yeah. And it's... It's been the most remarkable just to be sitting here today at this moment. You know, for, for us, this is a remarkable, remarkable gift. So this is what's fascinating. I've read a lot of books, obviously, had a lot of people on the show talking about different ideas. But the concept of a book for recovery for people who aren't really serious addicts works if you are an addict, but also works if you're not addicted in the traditional way. How did you come up with that? 
I've had a lot of friends in recovery over the years, and I'm not an addict, as it says in the book. But there's something about recovery and the guidelines and the principles that I think are so foundational and so spiritual. And all of my friends who were really down and out, who rose to amazing heights and ended up being the most honest, trustworthy, competent, responsible human beings in my life. And I thought, at one point I thought, everybody should just be required to go through recovery. Everyone should just take one round of recovery to learn rigorous honesty, to learn how to say I'm sorry, to learn how to own their faults. And I think that we all have things. And yeah. we list them in the book. But we're, we're all addicted to something. We're all stuck somewhere in patterns, no matter how evolved we are. I mean, every day is yeah. a learning. And I think we can all benefit from these principles and have and by, do. By, by, by literally gratitude and trust. And trust. By la- gratitude and trust. So let's talk about you for a minute. It's amazing you are alive. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't you think it's amazing? Don't oh. you wake up sometimes saying, oh. how, how did I get to be here? Because... Listen, yeah. not many people survive drinking vodka in the shower for a year you know, and, the, the, and, and the, doing cocaine. A, a ton of cocaine, a yeah. ton of cocaine. You know, alcohol made me feel big enough to deal with the rest of the world. Cocaine made me feel like I could shoot basketball for money. It's an old mind, <laughs> but it's the absolute truth. Yeah. You know, you go from being this weird little guy, you know, given shots to grow when I was like nine years old. It had the opposite effect. I didn't, slowed my body clock down, didn't hit. You were given shots to grow, but it did. It closed off the bones, so it made me shorter. It made me shorter. But it also messed up my body clock. So I'm in high school and I haven't hit puberty yet. Didn't hit puberty until I was like in early 20s. Really? So, yeah, so I'm different. And I feel different. And what's interesting is is that I was five years sober before I felt what that felt like. Because long before I drank alcoholically, I acted alcoholically, and that meant I didn't feel what was uncomfortable to feel. You numbed it, yeah. You numbed it. You, you numbed, numbed it, it with your thinking, you numb it with your, with your, your yeah. drinking and using. And we all do it in different ways. Yeah. You were saying in, in, in the book you talk about how you loved smoking cigarettes. I loved a lot of things. Yeah, I loved smoking cigarettes. I made really bad choices with men. You love I shopping. A, I, have a, I have a shopping problem. You know, and I, I think that we all numb ourselves. And what Paul just said is it's, it's so true that we all push the pain away in certain ways. And I can't imagine a person alive who hasn't said at one point, this is my last cigarette, my last purchase, my last car. We've all said it. We've all said it. My last time I have a drink, the last time I go gambling. It's yes. every human in the world makes this claim. Yeah. And that's addiction. That is, I have to go back for more, even though my conscious self, my intelligent self is telling me this is bad for me. Okay. Does every person, though, have to hit rock bottom? So you had this behavior for how long before you hit rock bottom? I was 49 years old. old. You know, it's progressive disease. I don't know when I crossed that magical line from use to abuse to addiction. But somewhere along in the late 70s, the 70s were so productive for me. The 80s, I was hiding. I joked that I, you know, I did 49 Tonight shows. I remember six. And I went from that and all that attention to hiding out in my bedroom. But didn't you start just sort of by accident? Weren't you on the set of a Marlon Brando movie and just picked up a guitar. Did I read that? Yeah, sometimes, you know, there are angels of change that that come swooping into our lives. Sometimes they suggest you write a book. Sometimes they say, pick up that guitar. Wow. uh, Yeah, I just, I, you know, when I was a kid, I listened to the the Great American Songbook. And is it true We've Only Just Begun was written as a bank commercial at at first? All the romantic beginnings of a bank commercial, you know. 
Crocker Bank. You've only you've got a long way to go. We'd like to help you get there to the Crocker Bank. Roger Nichols and I expanded it as a complete song and never in our wildest dreams imagined it would be a hit. And then an angel sang it. And when, an, when Karen Carpenter sings your songs, you are wow. blessed. And then Evergreen, you win the Oscar for Evergreen. Yeah. You and Barbara hugging on stage. Yes. I know, I know. It's, you know, and you're walking on that stage and you're looking out at, there's Kirk Douglas, there's Burt Lancaster, there's, there's all the, these people that are, that are these iconic greats. And it's some place back inside all the, all the charm and all the wit and all the, aren't I just wonderful up here on this stage is a little piece of Polly that goes, you don't belong here. Huh. So you drink. So you drink. You drink. But isn't it amazing, because the thing that you just your whole life never even could imagine that could happen to you, that you're traveling in those same circles with yes. those kinds of people, and now you're there, and that what you do because of the unworthiness is choose drinking and choose yeah. Not alcohol. consciously. Not consciously, no. yeah. Because consciously, you think, you're the, you think you're the man, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, that the reward for that is incomparable to the reward of talking to another alcoholic and knowing that we're both giving each other added breath, added life, in the exchange of recognizing a higher power working through both of us in this moment. I have never felt more useful in my life. I would not trade a day of this for all of that. Wow. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The original inspiration for Alcoholics Anonymous was a Christian movement called the Oxford Group, which taught that faith in God could transform broken lives. Paul and Tracy researched the Oxford Group to develop what they call their six affirmations of personal freedom. So let's talk about the six affirmations of personal freedom. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous has the 12, the 12 step program. How is it that you all determine that we can get by on the six? Well, we weren't gonna rip off another program to begin <laughs> with. <laughs> and something that's as embedded into everyone's conscience. We went back to the Oxford group and we looked at the original tenants 
and they had six. And we also thought six is doable. It's a lot, it's a, 12 is a lot to place on someone who's not really at rock, yes. rock bottom. So, you know, our, the people that we really want to reach out to have what we call life-limiting behaviors, yeah. not life-threatening. So, okay, the first one is something needs to change, yeah. and it's probably me. Yeah, that's number one. And, yeah. that pr- and that probably is immense, I think, because it allows you to comfortably put on the jacket of change. You know, Tracy writes a lot about about relationships where you're in a revolving door relationship where you're fighting back and forth, back and forth. That person may never change. But if I have the capacity to respond to them in a different fashion, I'm capable of changing the the dynamics of the relationship. Well, what I say to people all the time is that line in um, The Wizard of Oz where Glinda the Good Witch says to the Wicked Witch of the West, go away, you have no power here. She says it because you only have power in your own territory. You only can control your own territory. Yeah. So what you're saying with the first affirmation is that you have power in your own territory. Something, if something needs to change, it's, it's you. It's Absolutely. you, always yeah. you. It's the one yeah. thing you know you can change. Yeah. You're empowering yourself in a huge way that your life is yours. I love yours. number two. I don't know how to do this, but something inside me does. Oh, God. You know, yeah. Yeah. The big amigo. I call him the big amigo because, yeah. you know... Before I walk on stage, I give it up. I, you know, because I'll get scared before I walk on stage. I mean, Even there can now? be there can be eighteen people out there, you know. And as I walk on the stage, I say, I don't know how to do this, but something inside me does. Whoa, I love that. Oh, it's so. Empowering. I found that even just when you say it out loud, it's just so comforting. Yeah. Yeah. I will learn from my mistakes and not defend them. That's where we all get hung up. That's the biggie. That's the biggie. We spend so much time defending our mistakes, hiding from our mistakes, making excuses from our mistakes, and never just looking at them and going, whoa, this is me. This is me. This is my mistake. I'm going to clean up my side of the street. And we we do something which I call, you know, the emotional Sherpa. We carry around so much baggage of all the stuff we've done in our life. And, And we carry it around, and it's heavy. And we unload it onto others, which is completely unfair. And a mistake is a great, is our best teacher. And that's, if you just take them and go, I, I'm not a bad person, I made a mistake. And I've learned a lesson. And that's a good day. Any day you learn a lesson is yeah. a great day. The other thing, though, that number four, I will right the wrongs wherever possible. Mm. Yeah. That's hard. That, 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 yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, you can, you know, what you could do is, is if you can't make that, that direct adjustment to somebody, go to them and say, you know, there is mud on your carpeting and then it's from my boots and I'd like to clean it up. That person may be gone. So you can decorate your life with acts of kindness in other directions with other people. You can, you can, you can be a sweeter person. And you can, and I mean, to me, I feel if I'm doing something that would appear to be an act of kindness, I feel as if I'm being suddenly useful. I feel just yeah. my own chemistry. Because, you're, because your, your life changes yeah, when you exactly. shift your paradigm to service for anything. But it's for so many years, you know, to hide my responsibility back to the, you know, learn from my mistakes is, you know, I became a chronic and habitual liar to hide my addiction, to hide my behavior. And that's exhausting, Oprah. That's exhausting. Yeah, pretending to be something that yeah, you're not. Exactly. It's got to be yeah. exhausting. I love the final, I will live my life in love and service gratitude and trust. How is it that you all came, because there are all these um, innumerable virtues, why gratitude and trust? If you have gratitude, you don't have room for fear. And that was one of the biggest things, is that fear holds us back so much. Fear is what causes so much of our bad behavior and our poor choices. 
And gratitude can't live with fear in the same way that love really can't live with fear. So if you're grateful, you move to that place of love. And then how does trust? Trust is God. Of course. Yeah. And trust is soul, yeah. right? Trust I mean, is trust is soul and God. And those two are, we call them the soul sisters. Trust is knowing that there's a power greater than yeah. yourself yeah. at work yeah. here. And yeah. trusting it'll all work out. Yeah. Yeah. Grateful it. for everything that has ever happened in my life, the good and the bad. And you roll it into your life. If you're, if you're in a car wreck, you're grateful that nobody was hurt. If, they, if they're hurt, you're grateful that they didn't die. If they die, you're grateful for the chance you had to know them. It's, you know, it's an expandable gratitude, one size fits all. Put it in your heart and use it. Songwriting legend Paul Williams says, when he learned to embrace community and connection, his life opened up in ways he never imagined. Over 20 years ago, Paul was sleep deprived and high on alcohol and cocaine when he took a prescription drug. He says he experienced a psychotic episode. Weeks later, he finally reached out for help. What made you call the doctor that night? I'll tell you exactly what it was. And I won't cry. Okay. Uh, I did an event in, in Oklahoma City where I had a full tilt psychotic meltdown. I mean, I thought I was being beaten up by a monster. I'd been up maybe two or three nights without sleep. I was, you know, I was drinking and using. I had this full tilt. I mean, they had to cancel the show. And I went back to L.A. and I, I drank for two more weeks. And in a blackout, I called a doctor. At 10 years sobriety, I met this gentleman in, at, in Nashville. I found out that he was also sober, that he was in recovery. And he pulled out a chip for 17 years. I was 10 years sober at the time. And I saw this, and this is what kills me. I said, what did you do when you saw me so, so beaten up and so near death? He said, oh, we were terrified. What we did is we put together a prayer circle for you. Huh. So we put a prayer circle together for you, a bunch of alcoholics in Oklahoma City. And wow. two weeks later in a blackout, I called a doctor. It's somebody whispering to us wow. one more time. That's a long way from rock bottom to recognizing that everything is a gift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you have to hit bottom to figure that out? I think, I think, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure because, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I didn't, I didn't ever hit a financial bottom. I, the, you, know, you know, if you talk to my kids All or, bottoms or are different, people that, that were around me, they yeah. would have a very different interpretation of how far to my, close to my bottom I got. Because for my children, who never had the father there for them when he needed to be there, they saw a real bottom. I never hit a financial bottom, but I hit a bottom as far as, as, as what I was able to deliver as a father or a friend. Do you have regrets? Around my children. Uh -huh. I do. I regret that I wasn't there for them. And yet, you know, there are moments with Sarah and Nicole where the lights go on and, and we, we connect in a way that, I, that neither, I think neither of us have ever experienced before, which then they are magnificently forgiving and loving. But... It, you know, I don't want to give the impression that I have evolved out of this. To, I mean, two years ago, Tracy and I had dinner with, with my son, Cole. And, she, you know, as she points out, I was reaching for the check, asking for the check during the appetizers. She said, stay in the moment. Sit with your son. All he wants is a relationship with you. And, you know, and she was right. I mean, but it's, if you don't know Reaching for the check oh during the appetizers. God, He's like, yeah. You've ordered, yeah, you've just ordered the sushi with Jack. It's like, we haven't eaten. Yeah. <laughs> So we run sometimes for things we don't quite know how to do. Yeah. What's the key to living a happy life? Ah, oh, authenticity. Authenticity. You're enough. Sat down with Tracy to write this book, and, 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 I felt, and she never for a moment stopped being Tracy. 
started going, no, you're, you, know, you, you need to do more of this. You need to, she, she dared to tell me what I needed to hear. Wow. Authenticity is an amazing gift. Yeah. I think, you know, because we always talk on this show about spiritual practice, spiritual practice. I think just trying to be excellent every day, honoring those principles, whether they're the six principles that you've outlined here or honoring the principles that you hold to be true for yourself, trying to be a good person every day is in itself a spiritual practice. Is it's, it not? It is. Oh, I, think, I think that yeah. is the core yeah. spirituality. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, it's just saying hello to someone on the street. It's holding, it's those silly little things. Remember the old things always helping an old lady across the street. I mean, Paul has a lyric, which I love, which we you know is every act of kindness is a little bit of love we leave behind. And it's just being a kind, decent human being every day in every way you can. One of the things that uh, Paul talks about too is that Many times when you try to change, there are a whole circle of people yeah. who actually liked you better the oh, old yeah. way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you, a lot you, of people you, were you... torn between that life and the life that's calling for them. You know, you develop languages with people and you develop patterns of behavior, which is I'm the dysfunctional one, you're the functional one, I'm the one in control, you're the one who's a little bit crazy, I'm always depressed, whatever it may be. And when you change that, all of a sudden their role in your life is put into question. Yeah. And they start having to question their own behavior, that's right, that's right. which a lot of people don't like to do when it's forced on them. Did you lose a lot of friends when you got sober? My friends were gone. Yeah. Because one of the elements of, of addiction is isolation. So, you know, the, so many friends oh. were gone. Yeah. You know, I was really good at, at, you know, I went from Carson's couch to peeking out the Venetian blinds looking for the tree police at <laughs> three in the morning because I was isolating. I didn't know how to be around people. And, and I mean, I, as I, a sober I, person, as, well, no, I, this is drinking and using. Really? The thing is that the gift of my of my addiction is that it forced me to you are either going to die or you're going to get help. And when getting help was important enough for me to let go of ego and do it, I began to connect. And that's that connection that that brought me to life. You know, I think that what amazes me is that in in the in the midst of my of my drinking and using, that there was a spiritual life there. And the proof of it, I'm happy to say, is in the songs. Is that, you know, that sometimes we're a channel. Sometimes things pass through us. But what's so interesting is all of this music was able to come through you in such a way yeah. that feels like prayer. You know, Rain Wilson was on here and was saying, there's no difference between art and prayer. Music, your music in particular, feels like an offering feels like grace, feels like prayer. How is that music able to come through such dysfunction? You know, it's, it, was, it was and remains an absolute gift. I, but I think that again, it's, you know, you medicate, you, you play around with this crap, it gets out of control, you lose control of your life, but somewhere in the, underneath it all is a soul, it is a spirit. And it has perhaps lifetimes of choices that have honed that spirit. And I think that deep down inside, there's a part of me that is absolutely grateful and totally believes that this immense power, I mean, that's the connection. You know, I, I see you ask people, what is soul? Yeah. That's the connection to me. That's the connection to the being. And it's our soul. It's not, that's where I stop being alone. That's our soul. That's where I connect to God. That's where I connect to Holy Spirit. That's where I can, that's where we're, we're one, where you and I are one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that was always there. 
you know? I just, you know, I just had to listen. I had to learn to listen. So in that way, I mean, I also say to people all the time, nothing that's ever happened in your life is wasted. Yep. So for you, look at what, look at what the addiction actually did for you. You took what was, you know, the dark night of the soul, you know, you're hitting bottom, calling that doctor, and turned it into, literally, like a movement for yourself and for other people. The word that comes to mind is gratitude. Yeah. Be grateful for all the missteps, the stumbles. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So you started out trying to help yourself. Yeah. And when did helping yourself turn into wanting to help others? Well, it's one of the gifts of recovery is you're taught that right away. You, you know, the, you get to keep the miracle by giving it away. You get to keep And the thing is that, you know, there, there's something about the process that speaks to ego because we all want to be a bit of a teacher. We all want to, well, I know a little something that you don't know yet, and I'm going to share it with you. Well, the, the brilliance of that is that while I'm sharing it with you, especially in the early stages of my recovery, I'm reaffirming something that I, that I, that I come to believe in. But at the time you were, you, you, you define yourself as spiritually bankrupt. Do you think that the people who have been the most bankrupt actually have the most to teach us about filling ourselves up? I turned into the Pali Lama. I mean, I went to you. I, I was, I'm the Pali Lama. Come touch the hem. I will get you sober. It's like, I loved it. I dragged people off bar stools to share it with them. I, I loved it. I, you know, it's just, I've for the first time in my life, I felt absolutely useful. When I look at my life, I, I, the most valuable 10-year period of my life is the 10 years that I lost drinking and using because of I mean, I, you know, my You work, lost a decade. I lost a decade. You know you're an alcoholic when you misplace a decade. It's flat out, you know? Yeah. But to be where I am in my life today, to be working now, you know, you know I'm, I work for ASCAP, I have an, which is, you know, the American Society of Composers, Not just Authors, work for and You just, like, aren't you the chairman of it? I'm president and chairman of ASCAP. <laughs> and then this whole thing with Daft Punk this year just says, you know, what... What 74-year-old, you know, wins the album of the I year? I know, that was amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about your iconic song, Rainbow Connection. You know, you've said it's a spiritual song. It is. I wrote it with Kenny Asher for 
you know, you know your, your life is, is on track when you hit that, that alarm clock in the morning and you realize you're going to go to work with Kermit that day. You're going to wow. spend the day with, with Jim Hansen. An amazing spirit, you know, and I think that sometimes, you know, there's, you're around somebody of a certain spiritual level yeah. that they raise you. That there is an energy with somebody like Jim Henson, who is is in, you 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 have a relationship with them and just their essence. And you, you what up. you say it's it's a, it's a song not about answers but about questions. You believe the questions are equally as important as the answers. Well, my favorite line of the song is uh, who said that every wish would be heard and answered if wished on the morning star. Somebody thought of that. Yeah. And someone believed it. Look what it's done so far. The essence of my own spiritual philosophy is probably in those words right there. Somebody thought of that, and someone believed it. The, uh, you know, thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. When did you learn that? You know, it's, it's a long process. I learned a little of it this morning, you know, because I got to tell you, in the shower this morning, this was going to be a disaster. I just wasn't, uh, you know, it's... You're, with you're, me? No, 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 not with you. I'm talking, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm capable of going to that fearful place. It's the fear monkeys talking the in your brain. Monkey, yeah, the rats start chewing on <laughs> the wires. That's so interesting that you would the say that. The rats start chewing on the wires, and you've got to back off and go, wait a minute, are you nuts? I'm going to sit down with Tracy and Oprah. Ah, back. But it happens to all of us. But then you have That's to pull so interesting back. because I always think you've seen this show, Super yeah. Soul Sunday. Tape that sucker and watch it all the time. Ta tape that sucker and watch it all the time. That I would feel like you would feel like, wow, I'm going to have a chance to say exactly what I want to say, exactly. how I, I want to say it. But yeah. And next life, I'm going to be that evolved where I actually do that nonstop. But the fact is that, that there's an element in so many of our, our you know, that little fear-based thinking will at key moments in our life. Why do, I, why do I get nervous before I walk on stage? Why would I ever be afraid about anything? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're able must to Must be an it. alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> must, must, must still be recovering. Must do you be. always consider yourself recovering? Or after 24 years, can you say, I am well? No, I'm if I'm recovered, then I have... Nothing left to learn, nothing left. I mean, that, that is a closed chapter in my life. And the fact is that I will sit and learn from the, from the newest, youngest, most beaten up little addict that wanders into a room and shares his story. I will learn something from him and I will have a, 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 a breath of life in sharing my story with him that, I, that I've never experienced before. And as we lose people who, you know, gave so much to our culture and to the arts like Philip Seymour Hoffman and people who, you know, we, who, who everybody had thought had beat it. Does it make you feel like, wow, that could be me too? No, no. I am stunned by their loss and I am stunned at how fortunate I am. I don't think that I feel that, that you know, I, I know that, that a, a couple drinks or a drink and I could start down that path. A drink you could? Yeah, I don't want to check. You know, why would I trade clarity? for that. I get it. When Philip Seymour Hoffman died, I was devastated, but no, I, I at this point... Because he was 23 years. Exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll be 25 in March. Yeah. But I think at this point, oh, I'm sailing towards the light right now, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know. Do you have a spiritual practice, or is the spiritual practice just being you every day? Well, I run every morning, and that's my meditation. You know, and I and I live in gratitude. Mm. I live in gratitude. I'm a member of a church. You know. 
Do you have a spiritual practice? I do. I, I don't go to a church. I'm not a member of an organized religion. But I, I wake up every day and I, I'm grateful for coffee. I think that's my first gratitude thing in the morning. Um, and, I, and I light candles. I light a candle as soon as I wake up. And I light incense and I ring bells. And mm-hmm. I, I have, you know, and they, they come from all over. <laughs> There's everything there. I keep my bases covered. But, yeah, I think it's living a spiritual life. And I think, you know, I wonder when you say, you know, there's this difference between the semantics of living a spiritual life and a spiritual practice. It's, it's, I don't know if they aren't interchangeable, really. I think it's being it. I think it's just living it. It's being honest. Every time I'm honest and truthful, I'm being spiritual. What are you most proud that you were able to learn? You know, I often ask, what's the toughest lesson you, you, you had to learn? Obviously, yours was coming through alcoholism. But what are you most proud that you learned that you now can offer and that you would want to offer to the people who are listening? That we're not alone. Hmm. You're not alone, no matter where you are, no matter what you're dealing with. You know, I love the line, if you're praying for more faith, you've got enough. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that that's, that's the essence of comfort for me in, in this whole deal is that I found a high, real higher power when I got sober. And what is your definition of that higher power or God? God? Yeah. Oh, the big amigo? The big amigo. The big amigo is home. The big amigo is just, it's, it's home. It's, it's where it, it's, it's all the, you know, the, I love the Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama is saying that his religion is kindness. It's the elegance of kindness manifest in this power that is there for all of us. What for sure did you want to say that would leave its mark on every person who opened these pages? What for sure did you want them to walk away with? That you can change your life at any given moment. It's never too late. That there's something so much bigger than you out there that you're not aware of. And then there's a message in there which is probably subliminal, and I don't know that it's ever even stated. But it's in the steps and it's in the work which is, it's better to love than be right. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think that so many people, and we all want to be right when all we really want is to be loved. And I think if people can walk away from that book and in gratitude and trust know that their point of view and what they've been stuck in for years or the mindset is so much less important than loving and being loved and loving yourself enough to care about taking care of yourself and that your dreams are really worth pursuing and you deserve them. I just think if you can give people that, you can do it. You know, you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to do the work and believe in yourself. What a great gift to give gratitude and trust. Okay, got to end with this. What are you most grateful for? My family and love. I don't know what I would do without them. I'm so grateful for the life I have today. I'm so grateful we got to be here. Oh, thank thank you. I mean, I'm so I grateful don't... I get to talk to you. Oh, my thank goodness. Yeah. Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service.